Psalms should be the middle of the Bible, Psalm chapter number 90. I was reading my Bible this last week, this first kind of jumped out and I feel impressed to preach on it. Psalm chapter number 90, and uh, look there if you would in verse number 12. Again, Psalm chapter number 90, verse number 12. Uh, the verse says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let's have a word of prayer. Again, Lord, we're sure thankful for each one that's here. We know the weather is not conducive to traveling long distance. I understand some of our people that are a good way away and couldn't try it, and I know that some did and were turned back. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts, challenge them. Lord, we ask that you would bless each one here that's come. I pray that you would make the effort that they put in worth it. Open up the scripture and others in this chapter. Help us, Lord, that we could make sense of what's written. May it just, uh, help us to be the better for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look there again at verse number 12. Again, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Uh, just from the get-go, Psalm chapter 90 was not written by David. Although David did write about half of the Psalms, we find there from the subheading under Psalm 90 uh, that it was written by Moses. Now, if you would, that is the only chapter in the entire book of Psalms that was written by Moses. Or at least it's the only chapter that's identified as Moses wrote it. If you look there in Psalm 91, it doesn't tell us who wrote Psalm 91. I know that there are some that say because it doesn't identify Psalm 91 that that also belonged to Moses. I'm not sure you could say that because we know that Psalm 92, uh, it doesn't say who wrote that one. Psalm 93, it doesn't say. Psalm 94, it doesn't say. And so I don't think that alone would be sufficient convincing grounds to say that Moses wrote Psalm 91. I'm saying the only uh, chapter in all of Psalms that we know Moses wrote was Psalm 91. Uh, the second thing is this is the oldest of all the Psalms. That would be Psalm chapter 90. And the third thing, we get that also from the subheading, this is a prayer. It says there in Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, knowing that praying is asking, we would expect that in the 17 verses of Psalm 90, that Moses would be asking one thing after another after another. And yet the truth is he doesn't get to asking anything in Psalm 90 until he gets to verse number 12. In other words, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, nothing there is a prayer request. Now, I say that, but let's make sure I'm right. Look there in verse 1. Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. That's not asking anything. Verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Again, that's not a request. That's a statement. Truth is, everything from verse 1 to verse 11 
is really Moses magnifying who God is and what God has done. Preacher, why would you bother to spending time saying that? Maybe more of the beginning of our praying should be magnifying who God is and thanking God for what he's done. So instead of plowing right into the long laundry list of what we want God to do, if indeed this is the only chapter that Moses wrote, and if indeed this is a prayer of Moses, over half of his prayer is praise. I think that might help us. That way, if God does not answer the request that you and I give, we've not wasted our time. We have praised God for all that he does. Now, with all that in mind, if Psalm 90 is written by Moses, if Psalm 90 is the oldest book in the book, uh, chapter in the book of Psalms, if Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses, and if the very first request, which is praying, the very first request is verse 12. Well, let's look again at verse 12. It's the very first thing that Moses asks. Psalm 90 and verse 12, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so Moses requests, Lord, would you teach me the value of my days? He says they're numbered. Teach me to understand their value. Do you know as you look there in the book of Job, we find out that our steps are numbered. But we're never told to number our steps. I know that some people have watches and it tells them from the time they get up till the time they get to bed how many steps that they take. We won't ask for a show of hands. If that makes you feel better, how many steps you've taken, keep up the good work. God knows the number of steps that we take, but we're never asked to count them. We know that when you get there into the Gospels, Jesus said that he knows the number of hairs on our head. He says that the hairs on our head are numbered. I know that the count for some would be smaller than the count for others. As much as God knows the number of our hairs, he never tells us to count them. But he does, in the scriptures, tell us to count our days. Look again at verse number 12. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And if indeed we're encouraged to number our days, the question is why? And so if you're taking notes, I know that some do. My title, Why Should We Number Our Days? Why should it be so important that we number our days? I'll give you a couple of answers tonight that might help. Uh, the first reason, back up there, verse number 10. The Bible says the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Do you know in verse number 10, Moses made the point that most will live to the age of 70. Some will live to the age of 80. But regardless of how long you live, three things will be part of your life. Look there again in verse 10. It says that uh, part of that life there will be strength, 
Part of that life, there will be labor. Part of that life, there will be sorrow. So that's part of everyone's life. But whether you live to 70 or to 80 or in Moses' case to 120, every life ends with, look what it says in verse 10. He says, for it is soon cut off. Do you know the first reason I think that we should number our days is we only have a limited number of days on this earth. We only have a limited number of days on this earth. Nobody uh, uh, will live on this earth forever. Every one of us has a last day, and at that last day will be cut off. Do you know the truth is nothing will last on this earth forever? I got uh, looking at, do you know the average lifespan of copper wire? Anyone know the average lifespan of copper wire? This will make a difference in your life. 20 years. Uh, they say it lasts 20 years, and then it has to be replaced. Uh, the average lifespan of a cat. Anyone take a guess at that? 15 years. The average lifespan of a paper dollar bill. 18 months. Uh, the average lifespan of a painted line on the road. That's three to four, sorry. Three to four, that's pretty good, three to four months. Uh, here's one, the average lifespan of a pro basketball player's shoes. Anyone take a guess, though? Two weeks. Every two weeks, to change it. The average lifespan of a tornado. Ten minutes. Uh, the average lifespan of a human, human being. Seventy years, seventy, eighty years. As much as those are the average, they all come to an end. So I'd say the very first reason why we should number our days is we only have a limited number of days on this earth. Therefore, make everyone count. But you know, Moses wasn't the only thing that wrote that. Uh, David wrote this, Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. David recognized that he wouldn't live forever on this earth. James wrote this, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Do you know, uh, look there if you would keep your hand in Psalm 90, Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter number 5, very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 5. Uh, the entire chapter is the generations of Adam. So it's Adam, his son, his son's son, his son's son. There is something consistent about all ten men that are recorded in Genesis 5. And the thing that is consistent about every one of those names is, uh, look there in verse number 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Look there in verse 8. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Look there in verse 11. And all the days of Enoch were 905 years, and he died. Uh, verse number 14. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Uh, verse 17, and all the days of Mahalil were 890 and five years, and he died. Every person in Genesis 5, with one exception, they all died. You see, Pastor, why is that so significant? Because all of us 
only have a limited number of days on this earth. You said one exception. The only exception is Enoch. Enoch at 365 was translated heaven and he's an Old Testament picture of many that will take, be taken up in the rapture. Again, I say no one will live forever on this earth. Uh, we know that uh, every obituary that we read in the newspaper, it reminds us that we won't live forever on this earth. Every time we see a funeral procession, we are reminded that no one will live on this earth forever. Every time that we look at a graveyard, or we drive by a graveyard, we're reminded that no one will live forever on this earth. Now, I know that we know that in our heads, but how many people, even Christian people, are living their life on this earth like they will live forever? They think that I am guaranteed lots of time. In fact, look there in Luke chapter number 12, Luke chapter 12, the Lord uh, told a parable in his day about those that thought that they had lots of time yet to live. Now, folks, we're not planning any funerals this week. We don't want any this month. We just soon none this year. But the reality is every one of us on this earth will have a last day. And we would be wise to remember that fact that we aren't guaranteed forever on this earth. Look there in Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 16. And he spake a parable that Jesus unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He was convinced that he had lots of time. And yet our Lord uh, to this uh, farmer, look there in verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who sh uh, shall those things be which thou hast provided? Again, our Lord was saying that we're not guaranteed any more days than today. Pastor, why should we number our days? And the first answer is we only have a limited number of days on this earth. I give you a second thing. Look there, you can let go of all those other places. Uh, look, if you would, in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Pastor, why would it be so important, and why would Moses make that a prayer request that the Lord would teach him to number his days? Well, Deuteronomy chapter number 1 and look there, if you would, in verse number 2. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 2. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir on the Kadesh Barnea. We know that the nation of Israel were slaves for four generations. After they had been slaves for four generations, God called a man by the name of Moses to deliver them. I know that you're familiar, first thing they did was cross the Red Sea. The next thing they did was they came to Mount Sinai. They were at Mount Sinai for almost a year. God's plan once they left Mount Sinai was to go directly to the promised land. 
to take that land that God said they would get. We're told in verse 2 how long it should have taken them from Mount Sinai to get to Canaan. Look at it there in verse 2. They're 11 days' journey from Horeb. That's another name for Mount Sinai. They're 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir on the Kadesh Barnea. So it should have, from the time they got to Mount Sinai and finally left it, or Mount Horeb and left it, they should have made that trip to that promised land in 11 days. How our Bible would have been so different if indeed they had done what God planned for them to do. But it took more than 11 days. In fact, look at the very next verse, verse number 3, and it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month. Instead of one year getting to Sinai or Horeb and then 11 days getting to the promised land. That whole trip took them 40 years, which means that there were 39 unplanned years in the lives of those people. I could say it this way, there are 39 wasted years in the lives of God's people. Could I say the second thing or a second reason we should number our days? Once a day is passed, it can never be reclaimed. Once a day is passed, it can never be reclaimed. Those lost 39 years, they can never be repeated. They can never be taken back. They can never be redone. Only one time to my memory in the scriptures did God allow time to back up. And that was when, uh, that was when, um, help me, help me, that was when Joshua begged God that God would turn the sundial back. And that turning back of time, uh, from what we understand, was 40 minutes of time. That is the only time in all of scriptures where time backed up. Which means normally as a day of time passes, you'll never get it again. As a week passes, you'll never get another chance. As a month, as a year, in fact, these 39 years of Israel, as they passed, those were wasted years. They were never allowed to do those wasted years. I, th I think most of us, if we were honest, could look at our lives. Say, I wish I could do that over again. I wish I could say that differently again. I wish I had another crack at that message. I wish I had another opportunity at that song. I wish that I would be able to play that song that I practiced and messed up. I wish I could get it, but you can't do that. You can't redo that. You can try to repeat it again, but you can never undo a day that has passed. Therefore, the reason that Moses said, teach me to number our days. Not only we only have a limited number of days on this earth, but secondly, once a day has passed, it can never be reclaimed again. We know that God called Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, I, I don't plan to do that. Instead of going northeast, he went west. 
We know he grabbed uh, uh, the first ship that was heading out of port. We know that as they got out on that sea, the seas became the high seas. We know that that ship was tossed around. Jonah was thrown overboard. He was swallowed by a whale, and three days and three nights he was in that whale. That could never be regained. He, he could never get that lost time back again. And so a preacher, at least he went and finally did what God called him to do. That's true. But those three days were forever lost. In fact, uh, if, if there were a million people in that city of Nineveh, I wonder how many people died in those three days that never had an opportunity to hear the message that Jonah preached. A wasted day can never be gotten back. We know that the prodigal son, we know that he went there to the far country and the Bible says he wasted his substance and righteous living. We're not told how long he was out in that far country, I would guess. It had to be months. And we're grateful that one day that prodigal came to his senses and came back home and asked his father to forgive him. And how gracious his father was to forgive him. But you know, all that time in that far country was wasted months. And here we find a nation that for 39 years, they wasted 39. I say the second thing, why we should number our days is once a day has passed, it can never be reclaimed. You'd recognize the name Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin said lost time is never found again. And may God help us to not waste a day. Not an hour, not a week, not a month, not a year. See, preacher, I've got lots of time. Wasted days can never be reclaimed. I give you a third thing. Look there in Ecclesiastes. Again, the middle of your Bible is Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Uh, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes is chapter 12. Pastor, why would Moses, this great patriarch of the faith, why would he pray that God would teach him to number his days, not just years, his days. Well, we've already seen because we only have a limited number of days. We've seen once a day is past. It can never be reclaimed. I give you a third thing, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. The Bible says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Here King Solomon is encouraging every person in their youth to give God that part of their life. Many a young person, and even a young person in church who hasn't yet committed all that they are to God, as soon as they get a chance, they're out there in the world. And they're just getting the best there. The world is a term, sowing their wild oats. And they say to themselves, if it doesn't work out, I can always come back. Well, I think, I'm thankful that God's a forgiving God. Although it could be true that you can always come back, 
you'll never come back without being wounded, without being scarred. But there's another problem with wasting your days in this life. When you come back, you may not be able to do what you could have done if you had served God all of those years. Put it this way if you're taking notes. Uh, The third reason we should number our days is the older we get, the more complicated life becomes. The older that we get, the more complicated that life becomes. If every child gave, not only gave their soul to Christ to be saved, but gave the rest of their life to God, well, what an amazing thing God could do with a whole life. But the older you get, you say, I could still fully surrender at 50. You could. But the older you get, it gets more complicated. I've said this before, but Charles Spurgeon, I believe it was, was walking one Monday with another preacher, and the other preacher said, how were your services yesterday? And Spurgeon said they were great. And he asked the other preacher, how about yours? And he said, they're great. And Spurgeon said to that other preacher, did any get saved in your church? And he said, three. That man said to Spurgeon, did any in your church get saved? And he said, yes, seven and a half. He said, seven and a half. He said, you mean seven adults and one child? He said, no, seven children and one adult. Because if you get saved at the beginning of your life, you have a whole life to serve God. Folks, you can get saved and sow your wild oats and you can come back. But it always is more complicated the later that you surrender your life. And that's exactly what Solomon is writing. Now, Solomon was a king for how many years? Forty years. Solomon's reign, anyone have a date for Ecclesiastes 12? You have a date on top of your page. 977, keep that in mind. Solomon's 40 years was from 1015 B.C., Run that 40 years to 975 B.C. So Solomon, his 40 years is just two years short of being done when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. It's almost done. His life is almost over. Whether he knows it or not, he's two years from breathing his last breath. And he's saying... Look there again in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. He's saying to young people, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in that. Solomon's estimation of the older days of a person's life is what? What one word does he use to describe the older days? Evil. Pastor, that's that's a pretty... He is using the word evil. Now, in context, he explains what he's saying. Look there in verse number two. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not dark. In other words, in your youth, 
you can see the brightness of the sun, you can see the brightness of the moon, you can see the brightness of the stars. But the older that you get, that brightness begins to darken. In other words, something happens when you get older. I'm 63. I remember when I was 23. I remember I had the zeal of whoever. I didn't think anything would slow me down. My goodness, at 63, how things have changed. If you are young this evening, thank God for it. But give God the strength in your youth. Because something happens the older that we get. I think many of us could testify to that. He said, you can't see like you once could. Look there in verse number 3. He continues to describe the older years. In the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Somebody has said that the keepers of the house are the legs. Uh, these next verses, verse 2 to 7, describe a person's body. And he said the keepers of the house, they tremble. Well, uh, if, if you looked at older people, many of the older people, they're just, they're, their legs are trembling. Someone said the keepers of the house are the hands. If you looked at some older people, they're holding a coffee cup. And you'd think it was a milkshake, because that thing keeps moving. And they can't help it. He says that that happens when you get older. Keep going there in verse 3. He said, and the strong men shall bow themselves. A lot of older folk, they're a little more hunched over. And the grinders cease. Say, preacher, what's that? That's your teeth. Grinders cease because they're few. Uh, the older you get, they're fewer and far between, somebody has said. I keep going, and those that look out to the windows be darkened, that's your eyes. All this is a description of when you get older. Do you know why you ought to pray that God help you to number your days? And here Solomon said, give God your life when you're younger. Because the older you get, your health begins to fade away. It's not the same as it was. Look there in verse number 5. Uh, make it verse number 4. And the doors shall be shut in the streets. When the sound of the grinding is low, your hearing isn't the same. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. That's early. Uh, a lot of older folk, they can't sleep through the night. They're up several times in the night. And the daughters of music shall be brought low. They can no longer hear music like they once could. Some can no longer enjoy music like they once could. Uh, verse 5, also when they shall be afraid of that which is high. Some folks are scared to death of heights. In fact, you tell them to climb up a set of stairs and they, they'll take door number 2 instead. And fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish. And the grasshopper shall be a burden, and the desire shall fail. I'm saying to you, the older that you get, it becomes more and more complicated to get things done. And so he said, Lord, would you help me to count every day that I have? If you're a younger person than I am. Don't waste a day. Don't convince yourself I have a lot of life left. And if my agenda now doesn't work out, 
I can always come back. Again, that's 977 B.C. Uh, look there, if you would, in 1 Kings chapter number 11. 1 Kings chapter 11 describes the end of King Solomon's life also. Again, 1 Kings chapter number 11. We know that later in Solomon's life, of course, is, is, is kingship started out great. But later in Solomon's life, he made some bad decisions. In fact, we read there in 1 Kings 11, but King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, and of the, na of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. I, I say to you, the reason that we need God to help us to count each day and to number each day is the later in life, life gets complicated. It's a whole lot harder to serve God after poor decisions have been made. Here, Solomon has married some women whose God is not the God of the Bible. Now he's yoked up with them. And now he's kind of tied with them. And it's so much harder for him to make every day work for God because he has so many things pulling against him. We started with Psalm 90, verse 12, and I, I'll give you but one more. Psalm 90, verse 12. Um, look back there, if you would, in that chapter. Uh, David said, or, sorry, Moses said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Uh, we've already seen why. Why should we number our days? Because we only have a limited number of days on this earth. Uh, the second reason, uh, once a day has passed, it can never be reclaimed. Uh, third, the older we get, the more complicated life becomes. Um, I, I, I'm sure some of you have been to Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is just uh, overwhelming to see the power of that water that flows over that rock. It's a fascinating thing to watch. But you know, if you ever caught in those upper, that upper Niagara River, it'd be a horrifying thing. Now, I, I know you can get in an inner tube or a boat miles down. And you could get in there, and I suppose you could do some fishing there and, and, and just some paddling around. And whether you knew it or not, there would be an undercurrent that is gradually but surely pulling you toward the falls. You can be naive about the danger that you're in. But you know, as soon as you get closer and closer to that edge, you're in a panic because there's not much time left. And you've made some bad choices that you can't undo. I'm saying the third reason we need to say, Lord, teach me to number my days is because the longer that you wait in life to get serious about God, it just gets more complicated to serve God. I gave you the last thing there in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12. Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12. Someone said this before I read that. The older that we get, time passes much more quickly. 
When we were just a child, time seemed to creep by. When we became a teen, time walked by. When we reached our college years, time now seemed to click by. When we became full-grown adults, time ran by. When we got to our 50s or 60s, time flew by. <laughs> and that day that we uh, breathed our last breath, time was all gone. It's all gone. I give you the last thing, Psalm 90 and verse 12. Pastor, why should we number our days? Again, Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, the fourth reason to number our days is one day. Our whole life will be measured by God's standard. One day, our whole life will be measured by God's standard. If you're young, probably you're running your life by your standard, whatever that would be. And you're planning it, and you've got goals, and you've got an agenda. But you know the reason that we ought to number our days? He said there in verse 12, he said that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So we would make the wisest choices. And you say, why? Because one day we will stand before God and we'll be measured by God's standard. Do you know, if someone gave you $100,000 and told you that you had the rest of the week to spend it, <laughs> you'd probably spend it pretty quick. And you might even be a little careless in how you spend it. But if someone gave you $100,000 and said, that's all that you're going to have for the rest of your life, you say, Pastor, that's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money if you have 50 years to still live. I'm saying that when you recognize that you only have it once, you don't get a second crack at it, you better use it wisely. And you can only use it one way. What sure makes you serious about that? Heard about this man back in 18, let me get the date here, 1887, his, man, his name was Emmanuel Ninger. Do you know, he tried to pass off a phony $50 bill. He walked in a store, he handed the bill to the uh, clerk that was there, and when he handed it to the clerk, some of the ink on this phony bill came off on the clerk's hands. The clerk immediately realized that this man's trying to pass off a phony bill, called the police, Police came down quickly to arrest this man. And uh, sure enough, he's guilty. There's no getting around that. The police then decided they were going to go into his home and see if they could find other evidence of his dishonesty. Well, they went up to the attic of this Emmanuel Ninger, and what they found was all of his tools that he was using to reproduce these counterfeit $50 bills. And they found an artist easel and paintbrushes and paints. And he was able to meticulously counterfeit money. They said his, his talent was incredible. In fact, they said he was a master artist. But while they were also going through the attic of his house, they found three portraits that this Emmanuel Ninger had painted. 
and they took those paintings to a public auction in order to pay off his crimes. And uh, those three paintings sold for $16,000 combined. And what was so amazing to those police is he almost spent the same amount of time painting one $50 bill that he spent painting a $5,000 painting. It took the same amount of time. And they scratched their head and said, what a foolish decision to make in life. He could have made thousands where he simply made 50. Now, that illustration isn't trade away what you've got to get a higher paying job. That's not what that is. That is that you have one chance how to spend your time. Don't waste it. Stories told of a graduate from Moody Bible Institute. His name was John Beckman. He had a physical issue, so he went to a doctor. And the doctor said he had a serious heart condition, and it was unlikely that he would live. He said, isn't there anything you can do? The doctor said, we have one chance, but it's a very slim one. We can insert a little plastic valve into your heart. This is years and years ago. They said, at this time, there's only two other people that have survived that operation and he might, if he was careful, become survivor number three. That's how rare a survivor from this operation was. Well, sure enough, he said, I'm willing to take the chance. He, once that plastic valve was inserted, John Beekman not only survived, but he counted the importance of every day that he had left. Doctors said, you need to slow down now. You need to cut back now. You've been given a second chance to live, but you better be more careful this time around. And yet instead of slowing down at a careful pace and hoarding his everyday like a miser might, he threw himself into missionary work. He began to work with the Chol Indians in southern Mexico, and his story became one of determination and courage with one eye fixed firmly on the zero hour that inevitably was to come to his life. They ignored all of the doctor's warnings. They plunged through the jungles. He lived a primitive life. He learned the language. He began to write the language. He translated the Bible into that Indian language. He taught them how to read. He led them to Christ. They became a new civilization. Because one man said, I only have this life. And I don't know how many years left to go. I'm not going to waste it frivolously. I'm going to use it for Christ. Preacher, why is it so important that we ask God to number our days First, we only have a limited number of days on this earth. Second, once the day is passed, it can never be reclaimed. Third, the older we get, the more complicated life becomes. And fourth, one day our whole life will be measured 
by God's standard. Lord, help us to number our days. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for each one. Thank you for this great truth. Now, Moses lived to 120. It's very possible, and we, we know he wrote it during his last 40 years. Therefore, Moses had already endured and enjoyed 80 years. Lord, those last 40, he didn't slow down. He didn't give up. He wasn't disheartened by the lumps and bumps that came his way. He said, Lord, every day that I have left, I wanted to count for you. Help me to number my days. Lord, would you help us? Uh, we have a limited number of days. We don't know how many days it will live. Lord, not only do we have a limited number of days, but uh, also once a day has passed, we can never reclaim it. We don't get another chance at it. Father, we know that uh, the older we get, it gets more complicated. Lord, we know that one day, we, our whole life, what we did with each day will be measured by God's standard. Would you help us? Would you help us in whatever time that's left that will not reserve that time for our own interest and cares, but to serve God who is worthy? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.